Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So, last week um, we started on a very interesting and maybe challenging journey for some of us in really truly understanding some of the very basics of Unity teachings, which are quite different than to the religion or spiritual uh, ideas that we have grown up with. And so we started exploring some of the first, the first and second principle, which really talks about how we perceive God to be and how we relate to God. And today, as the title of the talk indicates and suggests, is we're going to talk a little bit about faith. Now, we have talked about faith before, but today I really want to start going a little bit deeper as to our understanding how we're going to use faith and what our focus on faith should be about. You all heard this before, fake it until you make it, right? A few weeks ago, I talked about those phrases and ideas that we tell ourselves that may not necessarily be very useful to our growth, our spiritual growth, and how we relate or should relate to each other or even approach life sometimes. And we said, instead of using fake it until you make it, we say faith it until you make it, right? (laughs) But the question really is, what does that you make it really, what is that about? Usually, what happens is that when we think of making it, we usually think of it in terms of an outside, of an experience, of something that we want to change in our lives, have enough faith that we have enough money to pay our bills, have faith that we get the job that we truly want, and so on. It's usually very outside-oriented. So the problem with that is that our faith is based on the outside circumstance without any spiritual foundation because we get so focused on what we believe is really wrong with us and wrong with our lives that we're trying to fix it and we're trying to use faith in order to fix it. But without a spiritual foundation, that kind of faith is rather weak. And those of you who have played around with faith and played around with the different levels of concern, outside circumstances versus inner awareness, inner true knowing, you will understand and know the difference. When we put faith in us as being much more than we can perceive ourselves to be right now, that has a completely different effect on our lives on all aspects of our lives, rather than just putting faith into one tiny little aspect of it. The second problem is, 
our idea of making it is really founded on our true desires. Because we, if we don't have a spiritual foundation and we put faith in circumstance rather than what's underneath and what's helping us and supporting us and inspiring us, then what happens is we are losing the connection to the desires that are true to us. Desires that are much, much deeper than our wants. Desires that are much more connected to the things that we usually don't talk about and don't tell each other and sometimes not even are willing to face up ourselves. Things like no more fighting with ourselves. Be true without lying anymore to ourselves. Completely honest without having to pretend. That's the kind of level that I'm talking about. So the problem when we faith it until you make it is where is our focus and what do we put our focus on? Mahatma Gandhi once said that each one has to find their peace from within. And for peace to be real, it must be unaffected by outside circumstances. Often we misunderstand the peace that passes all understanding to be peace that is related to a peaceful feeling, which we all get into once in a while, hopefully especially when we use some of those practices, spirituality, spiritual practices like prayer and meditation. But it's really the peace that passes all understanding that's removed from our outer circumstances that is the peace that will actually change not only ourselves, but the world. Because as long as we connect true peace to outside circumstances, we will always make this about the fluctuations of life. But if we learn to connect true peace to that which never changes, that will be solid. That will never go away, regardless of how we feel. Now, you remember last week me talking about the biorhythm, right? And that's like an image that's fairly commonly used to explain how the biorhythm works. Usually it's split up into physical, emotional, and intellectual ups and downs. I just used one curve, and for the purpose of today, you can even just merge those curves. It's just about the ups and downs of life. Okay? Those are our circumstances. So in that realm that we operate is the realm of circumstance. Okay? We get into a car accident, our power doesn't work. Um, the church is not open when I want it to be. You know, whatever it is, uh, my friends don't call me. Uh, I haven't talked to my parents in a long time. Those are all outside circumstances that are either on a high or on a low, depending on how we perceive it. And that is what we often consider the human realm the realm that we play with, the realm that we are part of, the realm that we cannot escape because we are human beings. We are in this up and down all the time. So 
But there is this other thing that we call the spiritual self, which is really a constant that never changes, is what Mahatma Gandhi is talking about. When we find true peace, it's really that constant that we're looking for. We don't, we're not looking for the peace that is probably in a high somewhere in the higher realm. We're looking for peace that's there even if we are absolutely in the gutter with ourselves. To develop the ability to find the peace, even when we are really, really in a bad spot, can be life-changing. We call that self or that line, that constant, we call it often God. Some of us call it God because we perceive it to be that constant. We hear names like love, silence, peace, principle, potential. They all, they all apply as long as we are clear that it never changes. Nothing that equates God and equates the constant I'm talking about today can be part of the human realm. It must be outside of it and within it at the same time. And that is the nature of which we talk about today. So, you know, Christina led us through our first and second principle, which you see up on screen. There is only one presence and one power in our lives, God the good, or God, goodness, omnipotence, or in our lives and in the universe, I shall say, God, goodness, omnipotence. The second principle, we are God expressing such inherent goodness. I abbreviated it last time with the first simple principle just saying God is, and that's it. God simply is. And we are that. That can be a challenge, right? Some of us, including myself, who grew up Christian, Protestant, you know, we are taught that that is heresy to say that. And in a lot of ways, if we misinterpret it, it would be su such thing. And yet we need to learn, well, what does that actually mean? What does that claim mean that we say God is and we are that? First of all, we must understand what God is, right? So what is God? God is principle, infinite field of potential and possibility, and God is passive. I introduced that last week. Passive in a sense that potential can never be anything but pure potential that we use and then do whatever we want with it. Similar to the story I shared last week. We didn't have a main power come into one of our main breaker boxes. And because we didn't have power in the first place, nothing that was connected to the breaker box worked. That's when we lose our awareness to God. Lose our awareness to the potential that there could be power. We lose it, not because it's not there. The power was still there. It was actually an easy fix. And that's exactly what happens when we try to fix something that is wrong with us. If we learn to stop looking at the circumstance but start looking at the source, we will actually find those tools 
and those ideas that are connected to when the source itself seems to disappear. Now, here is one truth. You see, one truth that we truly believe in unity is we have not the ability to ever be disconnected from God. It's absolutely impossible to do that. Oneness means we're always one, and there's never, ever a moment, even a microsecond in life of anyone, anywhere, that it is possible to be disconnected from that reality. That's a true belief that we have in unity. So what does it mean, then, when we lose that connection? What do you think? We're blocked. We are blind. We have forgotten that that is the reality. It's like when we, took the, when we opened the panel on the breaker box, all the breakers looked fine. They were all on. And if we didn't know that there must be a primary source to the electric box, we will probably never have had the ability to solve the problem because we would have never gotten there. We would have looked at the breaker box and just go, I'm confused. All the breakers are on, and yet I still don't have power. Can you relate to that in your own life? When things are not working out for you, you look at yourself and all the breakers seem to be on, and yet still does something doesn't work. So what must we do then? We must look beyond the breakers and find the source. And if we have faith in the reality that that source can never disappear, there is no God out there with an independent consciousness removed from ourselves that makes his or her or its own decisions and tells, well, I'm sorry, Jean-Marie, I love everyone, but today I just don't like you very much, so I'm going to remove the power I give you, I give usually to you, I'm removing away. That never happens because God is passive. God does not make any decisions without our influence. Does that mean that we are God? No. But we are part of that potential. We are part of having the ability to tap into that infinite potential and then start using it in our lives according to our own limitations. We are standing in our way most of the time, if not all the time, to a certain extent. And what we need to do is we need to break out break up those limitations, and learn to remember that there is an infinite field of potential and possibility out there. So, I faith it until I recognize the infinite potential in, in and available to me. That could be a, a possible way we could create an affirmation that addresses this first principle. I faith it until I recognize the infinite potential in and available to me. Let's say this together. I faith it until I recognize the infinite potential 
in and available to me. By learning to put our faith in the very basics, such as our ability and the availability of God in all circumstances to us, we are starting to shift our focus to what is really needed and where we can make true change. So then, second principle that we abbreviate with we are that, then says we are that principle and we are that potential, which in other words says we have all that potential within us, whether we believe it or not right now, and we are the activity. We are the active part. Whenever you hear um, phrases like put, let's put feet to our prayers, right? That's actually an invitation to become active rather than doing the good old, oh, my thoughts and prayers are with you. And then we're sitting back in, the, back in the couch and change the channel, right? There's power to saying the same words, my thoughts and prayers are with you, and put that into action. And that is the difference between understanding God as someone or some entity that is continuing active in our lives and does things for us or not for us, turns red lights into green lights and opens up parking spots before the grocery store so we don't have to walk too far, right? That kind of idea to, wait a minute, I need to do something in order for God to start being in this world. If we weren't active, if we weren't doing anything, then there will just be potential, just like the power that comes into this building without us realizing it, that we could use it all the time. So then if we wanted to play around with our faith on the second principle, we could say something like, I faith it until I realize I am one with what unites us all. Let's say this together. I faith it until I realize I am one with what unites us all. Okay. So I have those affirmations in the sermon notes. And if you're interested in playing around with those a little bit more past today's message, then you can actually use those affirmations, the one that goes to the first principle, then the one to the second principle, and have a couple more, and just start playing with it and see how it resonates with you. That's another affirmation here. I faith it until I know that I am infinite potential and I express it in my life at all times. That's a little bit of a stronger affirmation because now we're claiming that we know that that is true. So let's say this together. I faith it until I know that I am infinite potential and I express it in any in my life at all times. So if that feels cryptic to you or it doesn't resonate with you, give it a chance. Affirmations usually don't just work by repeating it once and then leave it alone. It takes time and energy for us to actually start 
moving into the affirmation more deeply and more honestly. And it's the faith part that we're addressing here. And faith sometimes takes a little bit time to develop. So that is step one. Step one is to become the rock upon which we build our church. It's from that beautiful Bible story where Jesus looks at Peter and says, upon your rock I will build my church, meaning that your faith that you demonstrate to me, your strength in your faith in believing in me, which means believing in yourself, is upon which I will build my church, upon which everything will start to move and start to become active. So then step two, as we cover step one, principle one and principle two, is to align ourselves with the ideal in mind, heart, body, and soul. So ideal might be something that you have heard before or not. Ideal is, I capitalize it here because it addresses what we call a divine idea. Actually, multiple divine ideas. Think for a moment your life as it would be absolutely ideal. Nothing to complain about. Nothing to worry about. Everything is perfect. Just imagine for a moment that to be the reality. That is what I mean by ideal. And we learn to use the ideal by not only establishing who and what we truly are, which is done through understanding what God is and how we relate to God, but now start using that in everyday activities. And one of the most important things is to understand what our ideal is. Think of uh, imagining, what's it called, an imagining board? A visioning board, that's what the name is. Think of a visioning board. What would you envision your life to be when it is absolutely perfect? That's the ideal. So there is something I mentioned before, thoughts and feelings, that are related to the third principle. So we covered first and second principle last week, and I just did a quick review on that together with what we actually should build our faith on. The third principle now involves our thoughts and feelings. And they involve our thoughts and feelings because they're connected to what we call the law of mind action. In our mind, there's always thoughts and there's always feelings. Wouldn't you say? Have you ever tried not to think? Anyone tried those meditation practices that claim that you will eventually stop thinking? Okay. As long as you're conscious, you will always think. The only time when you stop thinking is when you have transitioned into a different realm. That's when the stops thought, uh, your thoughts stop, right? <clears throat> In this world, correct, right? So those of you who are out there believing that in meditation we need to stop thinking and feeling, don't worry about it. 
We have 50 to 80,000 thoughts and feelings every single day. And we are in charge of how they look like for the most part, not all the time. For those that we are conscious of, we certainly can change. But those that we are not conscious of, we have been contributing over years and years and years and years. They're now in our subconscious. Our limitations, our judgments, our regrets, all the things we don't like, the things that we react to. That's all in the subconscious. But it's still connected to our thoughts and feelings. And we are in charge, and we have the ability to change that. What we're looking for is balance. We're looking for balance and harmony. What we're looking for is balance in terms of that our thoughts and feelings somehow match together. Whether they're negative thoughts or positive thoughts. We're looking for balance and harmony in terms of bringing our thoughts into alignment with our feelings. That is the challenge of the third principle, to do that. Have you ever thought about something for a very long time and not realized that your feelings are completely opposite to your thinking? It happens, right? You're actually, we are often triggered with some deep feelings and because we're for whatever reason, we're unable to feel those feelings truly because they're connected to some trauma, something that may have happened in the past that's scary to look at. We often then escape with a thought pattern that we're comfortable with, but those two don't match. We may feel actually very sad, but our thinking is anger and frustration. So when we look at the biorhythm again and look as an example at anger, which usually kind of like happens at the lower end of the spectrum, right? What happens is when we feel anger and we start getting into anger, anger is one of those that can stick around for quite some time, don't you think? Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been angry at someone for like more than just five minutes, right? Maybe a day, two, maybe two weeks, maybe months. Maybe right now you're still angry at someone that you haven't spoken to in years. What that does to a certain level is it blocks you in at that very low level. Not 100% because just as much as energy you give to it. You block your anger and while your biorhythm, your usual ups and downs in life, moves on just quite naturally, there's part of you that still holds on to that anger. And that part of you, unless you forgive that part and release that part in your life, will never be able to go back to the normal rhythm. The tragic thing is, is we're missing opportunities to actually hold on to the ideal. Not that I'm suggesting we should hold on to any, anything, but if there is something in our mind that's worth, well worth moving back to, it's what is ideal in our mind. This is an example of what I mean by ideal. 
Any guesses what that is? Garden of Eden. Scripture, and not only Abrahamic tradition, is full of ideals that tell us this is how we're supposed to live. In the Abrahamic traditions, which is the Judaic tradition, Islam, and Christianity, we have this idea of paradise, of Garden of Eden. That's an ideal, right? And that Garden of Eden, as the story goes, we have been kicked out of that. But guess what? The Garden of Eden still exists, but it's not a place that many of us may believe that we go to after we die, also equated as heaven. It's a place that actually exists in our hearts and minds, inscribed in the souls that we all are, collectively and individually. We all understand in one way or another what that ideal looks like for us as individual people, but also for a community. Do you think that in the Garden of Eden war exists? Probably not, right? Do you think that in the Garden of Eden hunger exists? Probably not. So that's an ideal. It's something that we all know, regardless of our background, somehow we resonate with that ideal very similarly. It may be different for us individually, but collectively, it's very, very similar. So the Garden of Eden is the ideal. When we read in, in Scripture, especially the Christian Scriptures, about the kingdom of heaven, that's what it refers to. And guess what? When we say the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it refers to exactly that ideal in our mind. Heaven is not a place we go to. Heaven is a state of consciousness. Hell is not a place we go to. It is a state of consciousness. Earth is how we manifest the state of consciousness that we are in right now. If we are able to raise our mind and heart into heaven, guess what? What are we creating on earth? Heaven. If we raise in our consciousness hell, what are we creating on earth? Hell. Still following me? Can you see how important it is to understand some of the more underlying principles that are behind what we actually are looking for so that when we put our faith into it, we actually know what we're putting it on? So what do you rather do? Put your faith in your circumstance to fix a problem that temporarily exists, or would you like to learn how to put your faith into the ideal of who and what you are and what we all could be? Any question about that? Maybe some, right? So that's 
really where it comes down to. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is part of the Lord's Prayer. From a unity perspective, what we would do, and be careful if you're not comfortable with that idea of oneness and God being potential, and we use that potential in our lives. This will sound very strange, right? My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who in here feels comfortable with that? Not many, right? You know why? Because we have this embedded theology in us that that is heresy. We're not saying that we're God. We're just saying that our kingdom is to come as we imagine it to be. We are the ones who are tapping into the ideal of the kingdom of heaven, and we are making it possible because it's us who are the only ones who can make it possible to bring potential into this world. Therefore, it is our kingdom that will come, and it must be our will that will be done so that earth looks just like heaven. Is a stretch, right? It takes a little bit. For some of you, maybe. All of you, I don't know. i gotten so comfortable with the idea. I no longer have to worry about being struck by lightning. And since I haven't been struck by lightning, you will most likely not be struck by lightning, right? And I, again, don't understand me wrong here. I'm not dishing on traditional Christianity or any traditional religion. They all have value. They all have a purpose. And some of us may still very much need that approach. And that is okay. All are welcome in unity. But I want you to understand how unity actually believes and thinks and feels as a whole. Because there is potential here for everyone. Potential to learn to be comfortable that we are the ones who are creating the kingdom of heaven on earth as we imagine it. Because as we desire and imagine, that's exactly how our lives is, are going to look like. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven as I desire and imagine it to be. So therefore, the way we think and feel about ourselves and the world matters. Wouldn't you say? <clears throat> so every time I get angry, I got to ask myself, how is this useful to me and the world right now? Is it just energy coming through and it, does it disappear right away? Or is it something that lingers for days and weeks and months at the time? When it lingers, usually it's not very useful. Is that the kingdom that I want to come on this earth? Probably not. So remember the verse for this year's special spiritual intention? Who remembers? One verse. <clears throat> I'll give you a hint. Matthew 5.5. 5. Say again. Yeah, close, yeah. Blessed. Or 
the meek, right? For they will inherit the earth. Here it is. The meek will inherit the earth. Now you have an understanding of what earth means. Earth is an expression of our ideal in mind. As we imagine the Garden of Eden to be, that's our kingdom, and that will come according to our own doing and our own activity and our own decisions, our own actions, our own thoughts and feelings. Everything that we do, that will come on earth. And guess what? We have to be meek. We have to be vulnerable and humble because if we are not vulnerable and humble, we are closing ourselves to other possibilities and learnings from others. And we are forgetting to be flexible and curious about life so we can grow and learn. And we will literally inherit what is in our minds and hearts at all times, and that will be manifested in the world, and that's why we will inherit it. We will only inherit what we can imagine. So then we can say it is through our humility that we inherit the earth by learning to follow our desires based on the ideal of whatever heaven we imagine there to be. Breathe. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. Even if you heard it before, God is, we are that, and the way we think and feel matters. That's a very short way of telling you what I just talked about the past 25 minutes. God is, we are that, and how we think and feel matters. So in summary, God is principle, infinite field and potential and possibility. We are that. And we think and feel our ideal as we desire and imagine it to be. One, two, three. Principle one, principle two, principle three. Fourth principle, tools we use, prayer, meditation, dinas and affirmation. Fifth principle, action. Move our feet. Okay? We can't change the world if we know all this and then go home and sit in the couch and turn on the TV and start flipping channels. We need to do something. The fact that you're here today or watch online, you have taken action because you already know what that Garden of Eden looks like for you. And for some reason, you have chosen to be here and to watch today or maybe later the recording because you intuitively understand that without that action that you take, you may never inherit the earth, or at least not in the ideal that you could imagine. So then, we could apply another affirmation to the third principle, I faith it until my thoughts and feelings are aligned with what I desire. Let's say this together. I faith until my thoughts and feelings are aligned with what I desire. Or if we want to group them all together, one, two, and three, I faith it until I am aligned 
and whole. Together, I faith it until I am aligned and whole. And if you want to take the faith away, once you're ready, and this is my last slide for today before we move into meditation, you can take the faith part away just once you're ready. Once you've built your faith, and then you can affirm, I am aligned and whole. Let's say this together so we just can feel it for a moment. I am aligned and whole. Every moment in our lives can be just like this moment right now. If not all, at least part of your attention must be, I'm sure, on your thoughts and feelings being aligned with what you intend to inherit, which is the kingdom of heaven on earth. And I wish that for you, and as you go home, I hope you'll remember this for a little while at least. So let us move into meditation with that in mind and heart. Those of you who have bears with you still, as you sit in the pews or maybe at home, I invite you to take those bears and just hold them just right above your heart. Because as we move into this meditation, we're going to open our hearts even more. And we're aligning our thoughts and feelings with the idea that we are whole. And we bring all our energy and everything that we can imagine to be ideal, to be the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth into despair. We allow our mind to settle, our hearts to spring forth, and let the bear be the recipient of that. Because funny enough, like with everything in life, our love and care that we have to give will never run out. So let us breathe deeply and slowly. Let us imagine for a moment how a Garden of Eden could look like. How would we be? How would we act? How would we feel? How would we think about being in the Garden of Eden, in a place that is perfect, that never changes, that never experiences war or restrictions or regrets or pain, that is perfect at all times? 
let us allow to be aligned with that. Understand that our true desires can only be aligned with the ideal of what we imagine. And as we learn to understand what our true desires are, we deepen that in our, our meditation. We expand the idea of being Christ, of being divine, being one with God, being part of the universe, part of nature, part of love and kindness and compassion, part of what we always wanted to be. So we settle. We settle beyond the ups and downs of life. Prayer and meditation allows us to go deep, to find the pieces that passes all understanding that Paul was talking about, the peace that's not connected in any way to our outer circumstances, as Gandhi is sharing. From moment to moment, it's the kingdom of God that's our kingdom to fulfill. It is the heaven that we imagine that we will inherit on earth. the more humble we can approach life by not fighting and not disagreeing but embracing and agreeing and being curious with each other we become the meek that are blessed and we will inherit the earth that we imagine as you hold your bear and if you don't have a bear just imagine one in front of your heart allow that bear to receive whatever is ideal in your mind and heart imagine that that bear goes to a child a child that is in desperate need of some love and kindness and hope and faith. The child and its parents who are waiting for everything to get better. You would only put your ideal in that bear for that child. if and when it does not hurt. 
Right now, your thoughts are pure, gentle, and kind. As you allow the bear to receive, you smile. Because you know that your kingdom has come and you will be done. So let us now allow our gratitude to take form. Allowing the gratitude to move into this room, into our humanness and spirituality. Allow our thanksgiving to take hold. And for a moment, we are knowing that in truth, we are the blessing that we always sought for ourselves and others. And recognizing the peace that passes all understanding and the silence that's below all of us, we say thank you in the name and nature of our own divinity. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.